Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. My Bible's open up to Genesis, the third chapter. Genesis chapter 3. We're going to begin there in just a moment, and I'll invite you to be getting your Bible open up to Genesis chapter 3 as we get ready to work together in the Scriptures. This part of our worship is devoted to the preaching of God's Word, and so let's all be looking at God's Word together for these next few minutes. As you're turning to Genesis chapter 3, and as you're getting settled in for this part of our worship, I will join in the welcome from earlier. It is great to see everybody today. Very glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us, we especially appreciate your presence today. We've got a lot of our folks that are traveling and in other places for this holiday weekend, but we're glad to have our visitors with us today. You're helping to fill in some of those uh, empty spots. We just appreciate very much the fact that you're here to worship God with us. In Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve, after they have committed the first sin, and the Lord has spoken to them and He's pronounced judgment upon each of them, we're told in Genesis chapter 3 and in verse 21 that the Lord God, the Lord God then made for Adam and for his wife garments of animal skins and He clothed them. I recently heard a preacher make this statement in a sermon and it really stood out to me. He said this, he said, From the moment you become a Christian, you never make another decision alone. And the reason for that, he went on to say, is because after that moment, God gets a say in everything that you do. Would you agree with that? I would like to hope that you would good audience like this on a Sunday morning, folks who get up early to come to church and folks who love the Lord and are here to worship the Lord, I would guess that the majority of people here would say, yep, I think that's exactly right. That God and His Word, for the Christian, it must factor into each and every decision that we make. In fact, not only does God get a say, but God gets the say, the final say, in everything that we do. Whether it comes to marriage, I, I, I can't just be any kind of husband that I want to be. No, God has a say in that. Or when it comes to parenting, I can't raise my child just any old way that I please. No, God has a say in that. When it comes to my dealings with my fellow man, I can't just treat people however I want to treat them. No, God has a say in that. As a child of God, there is not any facet of life, whether it be my family or my work or my entertainment or my language or my emotions, there's nothing that I do that God does not factor into that equation. Because again, I'm not making my decisions alone. God gets a say in every choice that I make. Would everybody agree with that? Tell me this then. What about your clothes? your clothes? What about when it comes to the clothing that you put on your body every day? Does God get a say in deciding what you wear? Now, it's pretty evident that people out in the world, they're not really letting God have a say in how they wear their clothes and what they choose to wear. Most people today, they just don't, God just didn't factor into that equation. And I don't even need to stand up here and give you examples of that. Just go outside today and spend some time around town and you will see evidence of exactly what I'm talking about here. Our world today takes many of its fashion cues from, from Hollywood, from celebrities, from musicians, from the latest Instagram influencers, from whoever it is that is at the center of pop culture in that moment, our world isn't really interested in Scripture. 
Our world isn't interested in what the God of heaven has to say about the important matter of clothing. Do you realize that this morning I'm not preaching to them out there. I'm preaching to us in here. And I'm asking, does God play a role in your clothing choices as a Christian? I will tell you that I am not convinced that every person who wears the name of Christ actually includes the Lord in that particular decision-making process. The Lord does not always factor in to choosing the types of clothes that they're going to wear. Now, maybe for some Christians, the Lord factors in to the kinds of clothes that they wear today on Sunday when they come into this place. But away from here, throughout the week, when they're at the ball field, when they're in the backyard when they're going around town, when they're on social media, when they're at the beach, when it's during these dog days of summer, eh, there's just not the same level of concern for God governing their clothing choices in every other facet of life. And while I could certainly stand up here and speculate as to why that is, maybe that has to do with the fact that the Bible does not give us very specific instructions about what articles of clothing are acceptable and what articles of clothing are not acceptable to God. And as well, the Bible does not spell out in specific inches that, you know what, this is too short or this is too tight. And so since we don't really have a definitive guideline about what it is to wear, maybe that's the reason that some Christians are kind of loose with these things. But what I'm going to submit to you this morning is that despite all of that, despite any kind of absence of specific instructions that God gives us, I'm going to tell you this morning that God still gets a say in what you choose to wear. In fact, it's been that way since the very beginning of time. That's what we just read in Genesis chapter 3. Look again at verse 21. God didn't just get a say in what Adam and Eve wore. No, God decided for them, this is what you're going to wear. And while the Lord does not make those decisions for us in that exact same way today, there is another sense in which the Lord does make those decisions for us, and that is when our lives are governed by the teaching of His Word. And this morning, that's what I'm appealing to. I'm simply appealing to the Word of God. I'm appealing for all of us to hear and listen to what the Lord is trying to say to us about the clothing that we wear. You know, Memorial Day is considered the unofficial start of summer. And so I can really think of no better time on the calendar to address this important subject than right now. As we do that this morning, I need to ask you to listen. I need you to listen very carefully. I need you to listen with an open heart. And I need you to listen with an open mind. Now, hopefully you do that every time that I stand behind this pulpit. But I'm making a special request for this particular sermon. Because there is the chance that as I'm preaching along this morning, that in the eyes and in the ears of some people, Josh, Josh is just going to sound like brother old McFuddy-Duddy. I'm afraid that's how some folks are going to think I'm going to come across. There's going to be a temptation as I'm talking today to just kind of close your ears to the things that I'm saying because Josh, eh, Josh is just being a prude. Josh has just turned into one of those old-timey preachers that I remember seeing growing up where he just stands up and he rants and he rails against everything that doesn't fit with his particular moral code. And I realize that that is a possibility. That's a possibility that that could happen this morning, that you're going to think that way and hear in that way as I talk about something as personal and as direct as the clothing that you put on your body. And I'm going to just confess to you right up front. 
I don't like preaching this sermon. I don't like preaching these kinds of sermons. I take no delight in possibly being seen as the bad guy here or as somebody who is somehow out of touch with reality. But I'm willing to take the risk today. I'm willing to take that risk because I'm going to trust that this is an audience of good and honest hearts. And that if God's Word is going to rebuke and correct and maybe even call upon us to make some pretty serious changes in our lives, then I hope that I'm talking to a group of people who's just going to be ready to do that. You know what? That'll be okay. If I need to make some changes, I'll be fine and I'll be glad to do that. Because we want the Lord to have the final say in how it is that we live our lives. And so, with that in mind, let me set before you today four God-given principles that ought to govern our decisions about the clothes that we wear. And I'm going to start right here at the top. I'm going to start with what I believe is maybe one of the big ones. I believe God, first and foremost, would tell us, I want you to dress in such a way that discourages lust. Let's just start with this big one, and I'll spend the greatest amount of time here because this really is one of the greatest challenges that we face in our society today. Fashions in the 21st century, they center largely around being provocative, around being revealing, around being sexy. In fact, let's just be very clear about that. Much of what passes for clothing today, it is designed specifically to draw attention to those parts of the body that incite lust and sexual desire. I was actually scrolling through Facebook a couple of weeks ago. This was right in the middle of prom season. Everybody's got their prom pictures on on Facebook, and Facebook's algorithms are just, they're just in tune with whatever's going on in the culture. And so some of the advertisements that were in my news feed were kind of in sync with the things that were going on. And so there was some advertisements about prom dresses. And an ad popped up, and it was from David's Bridal. And I'm not, I'm not making this up. I wanted to put a screenshot of it up, but I couldn't because of what it was depicting. But the ad said this. The ad said, come to David's Bridal and check out our collection of sexy prom dresses with low backs, plunging necklines, and curve-hugging silhouettes. I quote, these gowns will help your teenager dress to impress. What's the message of that? What's that saying? It's saying, wear this and you'll be noticed. Wear this and people will be attracted to you. Wear this and you can draw attention to your sexuality. And I want you to know that that's not just an issue with 21st century apparel. Go back in time several centuries. Look in Proverbs chapter 7, please. In Proverbs chapter 7... This idea of clothing that incites lust, it actually goes back thousands of years. In Proverbs chapter 7, Solomon actually, he makes this observation about a young man, a simple young man, a naive young man, who just gets entangled in the wrong places at the wrong times, and as a result, he gets messed up with a wicked woman. And he describes that wicked woman in Proverbs chapter 7, I'm reading here in verse 10, he says, Behold... The woman goes out to meet him and she is dressed as a prostitute and she is wily of heart. Somebody says, Josh, you read that verse and you're standing up here. Are you saying that if somebody wears a revealing outfit that that makes them a prostitute? That's not what I'm saying. 
But what I am saying, what God is saying, is that your clothing, it sends a message to other people. That's what's going on with this woman. The clothing that she wears, it sends the message that, hey, I'd like to be involved with you sexually. That's the message that clothes sent. And the message that certain kinds of clothing today sends is, hey, look at me. Look at my body. I want you to notice certain parts of my anatomy so that you will like me, so that you will pay attention to me, so that you will find me attractive. And your clothing, it can send that message without you ever opening your mouth and saying the first word, whether you like it or not. How you dress, it can provoke lust. Let's just be honest. There are just some articles of clothing that really just serve no other purpose but to encourage lust, to incite sexual desire in the hearts and in the minds of another person. And I need you to see this morning what a big deal that is to the Lord. Look at Matthew chapter 5, please. In Matthew chapter 5, I think there is the temptation when you start talking about this stuff, about about how clothing can create lustful thoughts in the minds of another person. There's a temptation for folks to just kind of shrug their shoulders at that and say, eh, I'm not really worried about that. Not really worried about how I dress and how that might affect other people. Well, look at Matthew chapter 5. This seems like a pretty big deal to the Lord. In Matthew chapter 5, I'm reading here in verse 27. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. What about that sounds like this is just kind of a meh, whatever sort of issue to the Lord? If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Would it be fair to say that if my clothing causes someone to sin, I need to throw that away and put something else on? It's real easy for somebody to sit back and to say, well, you know what? If the way that I'm dressing, if it provokes lust in your mind and in your heart, well, you know what? That's your problem, pervert. That's your problem. That's not my problem. Well, actually, actually it is your problem. It's actually both of our problems. Look in Matthew chapter 18. In Matthew the 18th chapter. Listen to the sobering words of Jesus here. In Matthew 18 and in verse 6, Jesus says here, He says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in Me to sin, it'd be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Verse 7. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, But woe to the one by whom that temptation comes. One translation renders verse 7, Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. If I dress in such a way that it is creating a temptation for another person, then I have become a party to that sin. And guess what? I'm going to bear some responsibility in that. Somebody maybe says, well, you know what? It's not my intention to turn people on by the clothes that I wear. I'm not dressing this way in order to be provocative. Listen, maybe you're not, but you're still contributing to the problem here. I think about in Romans chapter 12 and in verse 9. Paul says there that we are to abhor 
that which is evil. You know what that says to me? That says to me that we ought to be absolutely mortified at the possibility that our irresponsible behavior might actually encourage someone else to be involved in sin. Horrified that the way that I dress, it might cause another person to have sinful thoughts and sinful desires. We need to be sensitive to that. We need to be more sensitive to that. That means we need to be very cautious in what we wear. Now, as soon as I say all of that, somebody's going to say, oh, come on, Josh. You know that there are people who are just going to lust no matter what you wear. And that is true. There are some of those perverts. Yeah, there's going to be people who's going to lust. Even if you're wearing a, a, a burlap sack from head to toe, there are those kinds of people. But, but where does that line of logic go? Are we saying that, well, since some people are perverts and some people are going to lust no matter what you wear, well... Well, then I guess that means we can just wear whatever we want. Is, is that where we're taking that line of logic? Listen, you will notice that on the slide this morning, it does not say that you need to dress in such a way to prevent lust. Because you can't control that. You can't control everybody else's thoughts. There are some men and some women who are going to have lustful desires no matter what you do. What we're talking about this morning, though, is making sure that you and I, that we are not part of that problem. That we're not contributing to that equation of sin. And if I'm not taking that into account, if I'm not being careful with my clothing choices, then I can't truly say that I'm letting God have a say in what I wear. Now, before I leave this first point, Can I make a very specific and what I think will probably be a very timely application here? If my goal is to dress in such a way that would discourage lust in other people, then how, may I ask, how can a Christian be comfortable wearing a swimsuit which usually accentuates the very features of the body that we've been talking about this morning and oftentimes covers the same or even less than our undergarments, how can a Christian be adorned in that kind of attire and then go down to the public pool or go to the public beach and parade around in front of lots of other people who are wearing the same thing or even less? How can that be? How is that in any way congruent with the life of a Christian? What rationalization can a child of God Someone who has been washed. Someone who's been sanctified. Someone who's been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. What reason could a Christian possibly give for involving themselves in such activities? Worse yet, worse yet is when we sometimes take our kids, specifically I'm thinking about our teenage kids, who are fighting the vicious battle for sexual purity. And we will take them along on our family beach vacations or we'll take them along to our trips to the water park and we will then place them in an environment where teenage boys and teenage girls are running around with almost nothing on and you know hormones are running wild and we put them in those places and we call that healthy recreation. Is that not the very definition of putting our child in harm's way? Why would we do that to our children? In 2 Timothy 2 and in verse 22, Paul says to flee youthful lusts, not help your kids get close to youthful lusts. 
You know, you can say whatever you want in defense of swimsuits, but there's a reason that every spring, Sports Illustrated publishes their swimsuit edition, and in the fall, they do not publish a winter wear edition. And you want to know why that is? It's because men aren't interested in looking at women in long winter coats. Men want to see women in swimsuits, in bikinis. Why? Because it is sexually stimulating. And dads, husbands, men, this is where we're going to have to step up. We're going to need to exercise some leadership in our families. I tell you, as a father of a beautiful five-year-old girl, who I hope will one day be a beautiful 15-year-old girl, it makes my blood absolutely boil to think of her being the object of some teenage boy or of some grown man's lust and physical desires. It makes me makes my fists clench, makes my teeth grit. Okay, I feel those emotions. The question is, what am I doing about that? Am I leading? Am I training? Am I teaching? Am I guiding my child now? So that as she grows up, she does not make the kinds of decisions that she will act or dress in such a way that ends up contributing to the evil thoughts that will be in somebody else's hearts. I need to think about that. I need to play my part in that process. In fact, since I'm just saying a word right here to the guys already, and since I mentioned the idea about the going to the swimming hole and the swimsuits and all that, fellas... Can I just throw this in here? Sometimes we talk about modesty and we beat up on the ladies. Men, let's keep our shirts on. What's, what's up with that? I've never got that. Taking the shirt off. So we get down to the plate. Take my shirt off. It skins. What's, what's the deal there? Maybe that's just my upbringing. But I don't get that. I don't read my Bible and read about Jesus and the apostles. I can't begin to imagine them walking down the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee and Jesus just... Take my shirt off here, just walking around. It can't even fathom that. More importantly, how can we possibly expect women to adhere to a standard that even we ourselves are not willing to live up to? We need to think about that. We need to think about the inconsistency in that. In fact, that actually leads right into this second thing that I believe God wants to say to us about our clothing choices. And that is that secondly... You need to be consistent. I'm looking for 1 Timothy chapter 2 now. You had to know that we were probably going to go to this passage at some point during this sermon. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, this is maybe one of the most well-known passages in Scripture that talks about dress and about clothing. And Paul says some things here specifically to women, but I think there is just a, a principle here that it applies to men and women, just the same. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, look at verses 9 and 10. Paul says here, 1 Timothy 2 verse 9, He says, likewise, I urge that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Let me draw your attention to a couple of things out of that passage. First of all, Paul says that that dressing modestly, dressing respectably, dressing decently, there's a number of different words that various translations use. Dressing in that way, he says it is proper, verse 10. You see that there? It is proper for the person who is professing to be godly. Think about that language there. That this, dressing in this way, this is 
proper. The idea here is that this, the way this person is dressing, it is fitting. It is appropriate. It matches up with this person's claim of being a godly man or a godly woman. That this person's walk and this person's talk, they are consistent with one another. Now, I'll say again, that principle applies to all Christians. And in fact, it really applies in all circumstances, not just in how we dress. That our claim, it needs to be consistent with our life's practice, with our conduct. That if I'm professing to be a godly person, to be a disciple, to be a person who's characterized by righteousness and by holiness, then guess what? I need to be living that. That needs to be showing in the things that I say and in the things that I do. Because when it doesn't, whenever other people see some inconsistency there, whenever I'm saying and I'm doing stuff that just does not fit with the conduct and the character of a Christian, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is is people are going to peg me as a hypocrite. And I will lose my influence with those people. Now, that absolutely then ought to factor into the decisions that we make about what we wear, about the clothes that we put on our body. That when I'm looking through my closet each morning, or I'm going through my drawers, or I'm thumbing through the racks there at the department store, that needs to be done with a thought toward consistency. That I want what I wear to match up with who and what I am as a Christian. Have you ever had the experience of being in a conversation with somebody and you're kind of getting to know them, and they start talking to you about about their belief in God and and what they think about the Bible, and they they, they think a lot of the Bible, and they talk about the the church that they attend, and they're a very seemingly a very religious person, a very spiritual person, but you're having a really hard time taking seriously what they're saying because the guy who's telling you this, he's wearing a big Budweiser t-shirt. Or maybe the woman who's telling you this. She's wearing a super low-cut blouse, super short miniskirt. And you're thinking to yourself, as they're talking and saying all this spiritual stuff, you're thinking, really? What you're saying and what I'm seeing, it just, it just doesn't quite match up. You're claiming to be a Christian, but you're, but you're wearing that? We need to think about how certain kinds of clothing just do not agree with the claim to godliness. John says in 1 John chapter 2 and in verse 6 that whoever says he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way that he walked. You see, it's not just about talking it, it's about walking it. It's about being consistent in who and what we are. So as I go about from day to day representing Jesus Christ, right? We're wearing His name. As I represent the Lord, I don't want any aspect of my life, whether that's my speech or my conduct, or my attitude, or my clothing, to call somebody to say, really? Really? He's a Christian? He calls himself a child of God? I don't ever want to create that kind of inconsistency in another person's mind. I don't want to cause that kind of damage to the kingdom, to the cause of Christ. Which brings me then to this third thing that I think God wants to say to us about the choices that we make in our clothing. And that is that sometimes, sometimes what we need to do when it comes to our clothes is we need to, we need to pull back. Now what exactly do I mean by that, pull back? Well, if you're still in 1 Timothy chapter 2, would you look at that passage again? Look at verse 9 again. Paul uses another important term there. 1 Timothy 2 verse 9, likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, 
with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair, gold, pearls, or costly attire. You draw your attention to that word modesty. That word literally means a sense of shame. It carries with it the idea of bashfulness, reservedness. And what it does is it speaks to the kind of attitude that a person ought to have toward the line. You know what I'm talking about when I talk about the line? Paul says, and kind of points out here, that there is a line that separates what is proper and what is fitting and what is consistent and what is decent. There's a line that separates that from what is improper and what is lewd and what is in. Decent. There is a line that divides those two things. Somebody would maybe ask, well, where exactly is that line? I don't know. I can't spell that out for you. I can't tell you exactly where that line is. But the modest person, the person who has a modest heart, they are so concerned with the thought of ever getting near or crossing that line. They're so concerned with being consistent They're so concerned with the thought of inciting lust in another person's heart that the very thought of them causing that to happen, it absolutely terrifies them. So much so that it causes their face, causes their face to turn a bright shade of red. We call that blushing. And I will tell you this morning that the ability to blush, that is not a weakness. That is a strength. And it is sorely needed in this society in which we live. And modest people, they have that quality. They don't want to cross that line. They don't want to go too far. And so as a result, that sense of shame that they have, it causes them to pull back, to shrink back from that line. I don't want to cozy up to it and get as close as I can. No, I want to pull back from that line. I don't know exactly where the line is, which is all the more reason why I don't want to get near it. I want to be comfortably on the right side of that line. That attitude then of being edgy, or the attitude of, I want to push the boundaries with my clothing. That's not in 1 Timothy 2. That's not anywhere in the Bible. That's not modest. Let's just be candid. Let me just be very plain about this. What happens... What happens whenever we try to get as close as we can to that line on this clothing thing? What happens? You know what happens. We're at the store, maybe take a dress off the rack, we kind of get to looking at it a little bit, and we say, hmm, is this too short? Do you think this is too short? I don't know. I'm going to take it in the dressing room. I'm going to try it on. We try it on, and it's... It seems like wherever the line is, it seems like it might be awfully close to that line. And so we go ahead and buy it. And then we wear it. And what is barely modest whenever we're standing up looking in a mirror suddenly becomes immodest as soon as we sit down or as soon as we bend over. You've seen that happen before, haven't you? Somebody sits down and they're wearing a really short skirt and what's the first thing they start doing? Start tugging at it. Pulling at it. They're hoping that somehow, miraculously, more cloth is going to appear and it's going to cause their nakedness to be covered even more. But, but of course, no such miracle occurs. And so now what may have been borderline at best when I was standing up, well, now suddenly it has lots of leg and lots of skin being shown. 
In fact, more leg is being shown than what that person is even comfortable with now. Which is why I'm tugging at it so feverishly. Why? Because I just feel that there's something wrong here. What happened to that comfort that we could have had when we were modest? What happened to that security, that decency, that sense of propriety and respect for myself and for other people? Well, all of that goes out the window when we try to get as close to that line as we possibly can. And once again, I don't want to just pick on the ladies here. I've seen that happen with guys too. I remember a few years ago being in a worship assembly. There was a fella, I actually sat on the same pew with him. He was wearing one of those kind of long V-neck t-shirts. And I mean the V pointed all the way down to like, like here. And so like a lot of his chest hair was exposed. And a big portion of the top of his chest was exposed. And we're standing around after services, myself and some other guys and some other ladies, and we're all kind of standing there talking. And you know what he's standing there doing? He's standing there doing this. keeps trying to pull up, kind of trying to fold it over. And I'm like, do you want a clothespin? Maybe that will help you out, make you feel a little bit more comfortable. It can happen. Guys, just the same as gals. All of that goes away when we choose not to be modest. Modesty is that quality of character that's going to pull us back. Not getting close to the line, I'm pulling back away from the line. Modesty says, you know what, I just need to find something else to wear. I need to find something else to wear so that I can be sure that I'm not crossing that line. God does indeed want to have a say in what we wear. And maybe the very most important thing that He wants to say to us is this final word of admonition. In fact, this one thing really just overarches and encompasses all of these other things. And that is... God's telling us you need to be transformed. Look at me in 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, over and over and over, the Bible tells us that God's people are to be distinctive. That we are to be different. That we are not to be of this world. We're not to be like the world. We don't share the same values and agendas and goals as the rest of this world. Instead, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 14, we are to be obedient children not conform to the passions of our former ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all of your conduct. God summons us to come out, and to be separate, to pursue holiness, to no longer be, be conformed. That word conform means to be pressed to the mold. It's the idea of like you've got a, a, a pan of dough laid out, and you've got maybe a little gingerbread man kind of cookie dough thing there, and you've got a little mold for that, and you press that into the dough, what happens? Well, it makes a gingerbread man. And you press that into the dough over here, and what do you get? Well, you get another gingerbread man. And they all look exactly the same. And that's the way that our world works. Everybody's just doing exactly what everybody else is doing. But God says, don't be conformed. And the truth is, that's a struggle, isn't it? It is. It's a big struggle for us. We are social Creatures. We want to fit in. We seek the approval and affirmation of others. We want to be like and act like and look like and yes, dress like the people who are around us. That can become a problem. That become a problem whenever the influence of all of these other people ends up causing me to be pressed back into the mold of the rest of this world. And that is why Paul utters those famous words in Romans chapter 12. Would you look there? In Romans chapter 12, one final passage, Paul says in Romans 12 and verse 1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That passage just screams at Christians to be different from the world, to be transformed in in how we think, to be transformed in how we just view things. And when it comes to this, to the subject of clothing, Christians need to decide, am I going to take my cues from the fashionistas of the world? Am I going to take my cues from all of the influencers that exist in this world? Am I going to choose what's stylish and that's what's most important to me? Or am I, on the other hand, am I going to be about the business of glorifying God in all of my choices? Am I trying to pursue and seek after His will? The truly transformed person, eh, they're about the latter, aren't they? This is what they're about. Now let me just say here, that does not mean that you cannot ever dress with the current styles of the time and of the culture. You will notice this morning that I did not come in wearing a long robe and sandals like they wore back in Bible times. No, I'm dressing what I think is somewhat current with the times in which we live. But you know what? I must not ever allow the idea of fitting in with the times and fitting in with the culture, I must not ever let that come at the expense of me being obedient and pleasing and glorifying to my Father in Heaven. Because if it's a battle between being fashionable or doing the will of God, then God has to win that battle every single time. So no matter how difficult it may be to find modest clothing, And no matter how hard it may be to resist the pressures of the people who are around me to want to conform to the world, the people who let God have a say in who and in what they are and in the clothes that they wear, then they're going to be the people who are willing to rise to those challenges. And why? Because that's what God calls us to do. God calls upon Christians to do some hard things. He calls us to be transformed through the power of His Word power of His Son. Now let me say, as we close, you may not agree with every point or every application that I have made this morning. And you know what? That's okay. I'm not here to twist anybody's arm or force anybody to do exactly as I do. All I ask is that you take the things that we've talked about, you take these principles, you take the Scripture that we've looked at, and you go home and you think about it. Don't walk out of here and just be immediately dismissive and say, well, you know what, I just don't want anything to do with that lesson. Well, why not? Why not? Is it because I, as the preacher, I have mishandled the Word of God? And that is a possibility. And if that is the case, then that's on me. But is it maybe, is it maybe because I heard some things this morning from the Word of God that struck a nerve with me? Maybe it did step on my toes a little bit. And now God's calling upon me to do some hard things. God's calling upon me to make a change. If that is the case, then that's for you to determine. And that's between you and the Lord. All I know is that long ago, all the way back in the Garden of Paradise, God interjected Himself in Adam and Eve's business because He wanted to have a say in how they were dressed. And even now, in the year 2019, God still wants to have a say in how you and I dress physically. As we extend the invitation of the Lord, God wants to have a say in how you are dressed spiritually. talked at length this morning about God's plan for physical clothing, but you need to know as well that God has a plan 
for you to be clothed spiritually. And that all begins by being clothed with Christ in the waters of baptism. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27 says so. Your sins can be washed away when you place your faith and trust in Jesus and are obedient to His gospel. And when you do that, you will be dressed in something new. You'll be dressed in white, pure, fitted and ready to now begin your walk and your service to the Lord as a Christian. Can we help you this morning to become a Christian? All things are ready for that to happen today. Brother or sister, it may be that you have obeyed those first principles, but somewhere along the way you have stained your garments with sin once again. You can correct that today. You can correct that through repentance and prayer. You can be clothed in white once more and be pure and justified and right in the sight of God. Let us help you and encourage you to serve the Lord in a better way. Whatever your need may be, just remember, God wants to have a say in your journey from here to heaven. Won't you let Him have His way with you today? Do that right now by coming to the front while we stand and while we sing.